Welcome to the New Jersey History Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Banner, and I am here with students from the local history camp that my colleague from high school was kind enough to allow me to join with working with the students. Today we're going to be talking about three topics. We're going to talk about local soldiers during the American Revolution, the Mathis House here in Toms River, and the Cedar Bridge Tavern. Before we start talking about those topics, I'm going to discuss something that was just found out this week. A good friend of mine who works for the state uh, sent me uh, an article. I will put a link in the podcast episode description. Remains of Revolutionary War soldiers killed in 1777 found in New Jersey field. And that was updated on August 2nd, 2022. The soldiers' remains, I'll read it, in a remarkable find that adds a new chapter to New Jersey's distinguished Revolutionary War history, the 245-year-old remains of a group of soldiers have been found in a field in Gloucester County near the site of a key battle in the nation's fight for independence. That was the Battle of Red Bank. Not the Red Bank on the Jersey Shore, the bougie little town in Monmouth County. We're talking about um, in Gloucester County, the Battle of Red Bank. There's a park out there. The soldiers, uh, there are 12 of them, they think 12 soldiers, they were Hessians. CJ, I'm going to defer to one of our students. What was a Hessian? A uh, Hessian was a mercenary soldier from Hess. It was and in Germany. He, right, Hess is in what's now Germany. Just a little side note, because we like to talk about side notes, they're always fun. Germany was not Germany until like 1870. So if you looked on a map prior to 1870, you wouldn't have seen the country Germany. There were individual little principalities, kind of like Bavaria and places like that. Hess would have been a place in Germany, let's, let's call it a region, and the leader would rent out his soldiers to other countries. So a mercenary is a soldier who fights for pay. So the soldiers found this week in Gloucester County would have been Hessians. Now, CJ, you can, uh, you, some people say Hessians, some people say Hessians. I say Hessian only because the place where they're from is called Hess, but you, they're the same group as when people say Hessians. So that's that. I'll have the link on the, on the um, episode for you to look at if you want to look at that. So let's get into our three actual topics. The children looked at local soldiers in the War for Independence. Now, we're in Tom's River, so we looked at Tom's River soldiers. If you are in any other part of New Jersey or any other part of, I would say, the original 13 colonies, you can do what they did. You need to go to your local history center. In this case, we're at the Ocean County Historical Society. And we worked in their library. And kids, what book did we use to look up the, um, the, the soldiers? Daughters of the, um, the, the Revolution. Daughters of the American Revolution, right? They're a group of people who, let's just say that they trace their ancestry back to the American Revolution. There's another group called the Sons of the American Revolution. So we looked at a uh, series of three books, very, very big books. They were big, right? Yes. Yep, they were red, right? big red books. And these are, um, I guess you could, call, you could call them like a book version of a database. So you, what you do is you look up somebody by last name and you find them and you, it, it helps if you know where they were born and when they died. And then we'll tell you where they fought, where they were from. Who are the three that we talked about? Does anybody remember their names? We discussed... Um, James Newell. 
William William. And Captain, uh, no, uh, Timothy Page. Right. James Newell, Timothy Page, and William Williams. Who's the one who gave us a hard time? We're going to finish. I'm going to start trying to look for him today because we, as a group, we really couldn't find him. Who was the difficult one? William Williams. William Williams was difficult. Why do you think he was difficult, William Williams? Because there's a ton of Williams because of King William. Right. Williams is a common last name, even in parts of the world now. In the Anglosphere, do you guys know what the Anglosphere is? The Western? Not Western. You're on the right track, though. The Anglosphere is any countries that speak English or were once controlled by England, like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, United States, Britain. There's called the Anglosphere, some of the, the Caribbean islands, okay? So if you go in the Anglosphere, Williams is still a relatively common name. So that's why he gave us a difficult time. So we'll, we'll kind of continue looking him up later on. And we said his first name was William, right? Did I tell, I think I told you guys why William was a common name. Why? Um, the, the king was named William? King William, right? They, they all, people often named their children after names the people that they knew. So William became a common English name because of King William. King William... Um, the Conqueror? William the Conqueror, right? He came in 1066 from Normandy, which is part of France, and he invaded England and set up the, the um, what became the Norman English um, way of doing things, he brought over castles and things like that. So William the Conqueror was a famous English king, so kids, people would name their kids William, all right? And then that tradition continued. Another name was John, James, also names that are in the Bible were very common names. William is not in the Bible, but John and James and Peter, those names became very common. So that's that. So William Williams gave us a hard time. We're going to continue working on him today. Tell me something about, um, James Newell. Does anybody remember anything about him? I think CJ, you had you had found him. I found James Newell in the. I do not remember the book I found him in, but Daughters of the American Revolution. Well, yes, but I was thinking about like the number. Yeah, I don't remember which volume it was. I think it was probably volume two. Probably, volume yeah, volume two, and but it was interesting because the plaque that was outside his grave at the local cemetery did not have a birth or death date, so we had to do some, uh, some investigation into things and use of our knowledge because uh, there were two um, James Newells from uh, New Jersey. It was just one had died in 1792, so it, I believe, and the other had died in 1840. So I believe it was the second one in 1840 because he, because there wasn't, the cemetery wasn't formally established until eight, the 1800s. So there's no possible way that the James Newell that was in the cemetery could have been the um, earlier one because it just could not have um, been there. Right, so CJ, what you're saying is you found two men who fought in the American Revolution from New Jersey called James Newell, right? And we wanted to know which one we found buried in our local cemetery, right? The old Methodist Cemetery in Tom's River. So we found one James Newell who died in 1791 and another one who died in 1840. So CJ, you had to think, use your like history detective skills, right? Because you knew that that cemetery where we know that one James Newell was buried, we knew that that cemetery didn't come around until like 1800. So it probably wouldn't have been the James Newell who died in 1791 because that cemetery wasn't there yet, 
right? Yeah. So we're kind of saying that it was the James Newell who died in 1840. So he found out information about that soldier. So he would have been a veteran, right? He survived the war and lived like 50 years or so later after. I mean, the second one would have gone too because the war officially ended in 1782. Right. If it was that other James Newell, he, he would have survived the war as well, but would have died at a younger age. And I think that James Newell was, one of them was born in 1765, right? And remember we said 1765, he would have been very young? Yeah. But isn't, isn't it possible to have been like 15 or 16 and fought in the war? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, right? They took soldiers that young. Now let's, let's move on. Um, do you remember anything about Timothy Page? Uh, I th yeah, he was in, oh, I forget what it was like called exactly, the, the Coward Company. He was in like the Wyckoff Coward Company, which right. is interesting. But you guys were, were kind of confused that you thought that they were cowards. That's, that's, that's the man's name who led the company. Oh. His name was, was Coward. I, that I thought was not, it was like something to do with they surrendered. No, no. The, the Coward was the name of the man who, who led that company. So, yes, um, we didn't find as much about Timothy Page, but we do know that he was is buried in our local Old Methodist Cemetery, right? And, of course, we talked about William Williams, and we haven't really found him yet, the one that we're looking for, but we, we can continue looking for that. Overall, what did you guys learn from going to the cemetery finding these three Revolutionary War soldiers who were buried there and then doing further research on them. Overall, what did you learn about? I learned that it was a lot more possible than I thought it would be to, to find a soldier from a, a while ago. Yeah, it's not as, you know, sometimes we think, um, oh my God, we don't know where these people are buried that was so long ago. Depending on where you live, if you're listening to this, if you're living, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, when you look at the American Revolution, if you look, if you live in one of the original 13 colonies from present-day Maine, which was part of Massachusetts, all the way down to Georgia, you will have a local cemetery that most likely has Revolutionary War soldiers buried in, as long as that cemetery is old enough to have been there at that time. So it's, it's, it's not as difficult as you might think. Um, is it possible to do research to find if your family fought in the American Revolution? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You can use the books like the Daughters of the American Revolution have, or you can go online like Ancestry.com or, or places like that. All right. Anything? Anybody want to add anything about the soldiers whom you researched? How did you feel when we went to the cemetery and you looked at their and you looked at the graves? Uh, I'm happy their uh, their little plaque things that stood out uh, were good because I couldn't read. Yes. Like, they were so like they were just like. I didn't know some people, if there was like situations where there wasn't a plaque or something, they would get like a piece of paper and they'd like shade over it kind of. Yeah, like uh, grave rubbings. Yeah. So what happens is I think everybody who's listening to this knows that after a while, especially with the old type of stones they used to use, the graves would weather and you, it's hard to read their names. So what the Daughters of the American Revolution here in our local area, in Ocean County, what they did in Ocean County, New Jersey, what they did, and they did this in other cemeteries as well, is they went to the registry and they found out who was buried where, and if you couldn't read their gravestone anymore, they put a plaque there, right, to, to, with their name and who they were when they died. Some of them didn't have when they died, right? Maybe that information was lost, but they knew who was buried there. Did you guys see what was on their grave as well? There was something else that was, like, in the ground. Yeah, there was, like, a weird, like, I don't know if that was the tombstone or not. Not the tombstone. But it was round. Did you see the round things? I, I thought you were talking about there's like a, 
a big plate at the bottom, like this big rectangle that was like laying down in front of Well, the that was the tombstone that probably fell over. Oh. All right. There was something that some of the graves had. Some of them were Civil War. Some of them were American Revolution. Do you guys notice the things that they put in the ground? Flags. They were like, they were like, like a flag holder. And it oh, was yeah. like metal, right? And it said American Revolution veteran, Civil War veteran, War of 1812 veteran. So the three people that we saw had like a metal, like a star kind of type thing, and then with a flag in it to show that they were veterans. Until I read it, I thought that was to show like um, they were like police or something, because I just saw like, it looked like kind of like a badge or like, something. Like a soldier, a police officer were wearing their uniform or something? Yeah. Yeah, it does look like that. So I think you guys did very well with this. And just for the listeners, um, again, we're at the Ocean County Historical Society, and I would say, how long would it take us to walk to that cemetery? Like, not even five minutes, right? Not even. So we're, we're, we did these things right here in our town, which is great. So if you're listening somewhere else, you can do these things in your town as well. So let's move on. Anybody want to add anything else about the soldiers? No? I, I don't want to make this macabre. Do you know what macabre means? Yeah, dark. Like yeah. dark and creepy. But you guys asked in the beginning when we were talking, um, before we started recording about the soldiers' remains that were found, mm-hmm. what would what remains would be left of soldiers? Bones. Bones. Bear, bear, what else? Like lots of times, um, like le- like leather, like stuff. Maybe scraps of leather from their or shoes metals, or something. Probably. Maybe pins, like buttons. I think we said metal and guns. Like right. Yeah. If, if if they died on a battlefield and were just buried, and their guns weren't taken, the metal from the guns. Right. So it's not like I think it was. Um, I don't, it's, one of you asked, when they found the remains in Gloucester County this week, what was left? Like, what did they find? Was the uniform there? Maybe scraps, like we said, like little threads or something, and like we said, buttons. So I just wanted to, to um, point that out, that when you're looking and you're going to cemeteries, for example, looking at like Revolutionary War soldiers, you, you're, not, you're not going to necessarily think about what's buried there. The focus is that the person's remains are there and that's why when we were at the cemetery everybody was very what do you remember uh like starts with an r everybody was very respectful respectful that's right because you're not going there to to see like artifacts you're going there that's a person's remains that are there that's what we need to focus on just remember that if anybody who's listening ever goes to these old cemeteries to look at things if you're not there for fun you're, you're there to learn and to pay respect as well. So let's move on to the Mathis House. Totally different time period, right? Yeah. We're going from the 1700s to when was Captain Mathis, Captain Thomas he was called, when was his generation, his time period? Uh, like uh, from 19, like 1890, I think, to mm-hmm. like 1920 or 40. So he's, you're looking at like the late Victorian era, yeah. late 1800s, late 19th century into the middle of the 20th century. I think he died in like 1958 or something like yeah. that. Right? Mm-hmm. All right, so we went to his house, which is now, we're not, we're not advertising for them, but I will say that if you're in the area, the Mathis house is a great place to go to. I won't tell you what it is. I'll let the kids do that. Um, what's the Mathis house? Mathis house was, um, well, it used to be like the, um, a, like a mansion. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's a mansion. What is it now, though? Like, if you were to go, I know you said you wanted to go there with like, your mom or something, right? Yeah, it is. It's a tea house um, and a B&B. Like, um, so, yeah, the, 
it's they kind of turned it into like a Wait, did he turn it into a tea house? He did not. They did that a couple years ago. But he did have, like, guests that would show up for, like, he would, like, have tables and stuff. Well, yeah. Do you guys know what a bed and breakfast is? Absolutely. Yeah. What is it, TJ? A bed and breakfast is a, it's like a hotel, but more personalized. It's usually in a, like, smaller, more older building. Mm-hmm. Because in a hotel, it's all uniform. It's all the same. It's right. all it's all it's a huge place but a bed and breakfast is often just an old inn right it's like unique right it's it's very unique every mm-hmm. room is a little bit different and they usually don't serve you know the simple food they usually put out like a nice thing mm-hmm. right so you're not getting a donut in the morning yeah you, you, yeah, you actually sit down and, and get, yeah did you guys get scones and tea yesterday at the Mathis house yeah. yes. yes you did right what was the, what was the tea you got remember uh, cotton candy cotton candy was good wasn't it yeah. had iced tea on the, on the porch after they gave you the tour um so yes Captain Tom Mathis who owned the house he didn't build it he moved in when the house is maybe about 15 years old I'm, I don't have the exact date in front of he me he moved in it was built in 1899 and he moved in from like 1909. Like, yeah, like 1910, like, roughly, yeah, right? 19. I think it was 1898. And then he moved in like maybe 12 or 14 years later. Yeah. So he lived there. It wasn't a bed and breakfast when he had it, it was his house. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody had mentioned it earlier. What did he do with all those rooms that are now like, if you go as a bed and breakfast, let's say you go with your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or somebody and you stay a night in the bed and breakfast, what did Captain Mathis do? With those rooms, um, I think that his his son lived there, and then also his son-in-law and his and his son-in-law and his kids. His brother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah, but and then once they moved out, what did he do with those rooms? Who were those rooms for? Go ahead, keep going. Um, do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, I remember. He, didn't he um, like the Roosevelts? Uh, Roosevelts uh, like stayed there and stuff. I don't know exactly. What the Rockefellers did too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what he would do is he would have people over for parties, and they would stay the night, maybe even two nights. I don't know if you guys know, but some of the listeners have probably watched Downton Abbey. Yeah. If you know that show. What they would do in these big houses is they would have people over for dinner who would then stay a few days. So that's what Captain Tom Mathis did. He had people stay over. You remember what party he was in charge of in Ocean County? The Republican Party. Right, the Republican Party. He was known as... Um, Something that you guys learned, and I think a new word. He was a political what? Boss. Boss, right. That doesn't mean that he was, he was like your employer. Political boss means he was essentially in charge of the Republican Party in Ocean County, in this part of New Jersey. How many counties are in New Jersey? 14? No. 11. I'll let you guys look it up, and then you can tell us at the end. All right? So Ocean County is one of the counties in New Jersey Captain Mathis was the Republican boss of Ocean County. That meant that he served in government himself, but he also would help other people get elected to government. So the reason I'm saying that is because he had a lot of influence and a lot of power, and he entertained a lot. What does it mean to entertain? Um, it means to like, um, like just like, I don't know, like show people a good time, I think. Yeah, and like, show people a good time. He even like had parties when alcohol was illegal. Yeah, we want, I wanted to talk about that. So Prohibition, I think our listeners know what Prohibition was. I am going to, um, it was, 19, it, Prohibition was uh, passed, I think, in 1919, went in effect in 1920 until, I think, 1933. I mean, but, like, effectively, I think it was, like, 1970 that they, 1917 that they um, 
started um, grain rationing because of the war. So that like really put a stop on. So yeah, so you're looking at um, World War One. Yeah. Right era. Okay. Now with prohibition, you couldn't get alcohol. Did people still get it? Yes. Yeah. What are those people called who bring things in illegally? Um, smugglers. Smugglers. Were there smugglers in New Jersey even before Prohibition? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Smugglers Woods. Smugglers Woods. Yeah, there's smugglers all over the state because of our coastline. And think about the little nooks and crannies, the bays, and places where pirates and privateers could bring in goods and sell them. Do you remember last week? You guys weren't here last week, but I know, CJ, you were. The Jersey Devil. We talked about the Jersey Devil. Yeah. yeah. One of the theories that I think is really, really great is that the Jersey Devil was invented by whom? Uh, by the smugglers to keep, like, I don't know. Uh, tax collectors yeah, tax out. Collectors right. Out. So to, to, to scare the tax collectors from actually going to collect the taxes, let's make up the story of a devil. So they'll be scared. So my point is that even when alcohol was illegal, let's, let's just say from 1920 to 1933, there was alcohol being smuggled in all the time, and, and people were drinking it. Just because something's illegal doesn't mean people don't do it. But and like beer companies, like um, they they would like they'd have to like resort to like selling yeast for like bread and stuff. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, "Don't do the don't do the following things, or else you'll make beer." Right. So companies that were once making alcohol, like beer, for example, they would sell yeast, or let's say they sold grain or something like that. They would have a paper. In, their, in whatever you bought that said, whatever you do, don't add these ingredients and don't follow these steps or else you'll make beer. Yeah. And so what were they basically saying? Like, it was here's like, how you what? Here's make how beer. you, here's how you make, make beer. beer. Yeah. And um, I remember there was a trick they used for people who would uh, brew their own beer. Mm -hmm. There'd be something like, most houses would have a fence around it. Okay. And the, something would happen to the wood that was, uh, that was like, uh, they would be able to tell um, if they were like brewing or not, like a certain like I don't know something would, like. Um, but they um, they would paint paint their fence black so that way nobody could tell if they were um, making. Okay, so that way they couldn't tell because they wouldn't would leave any traces, right? Yeah. You guys heard of bathtub gin? Yeah. Yeah. Bathtub gin, like I think they actually made it in the bathtub. Yeah. That so so our point in talking about prohibition was that Captain Tom Mathis. Even when prohibition was in effect, he would still have parties and they would have alcohol. What else did you guys learn about him and prohibition? You remember the boat? There was a river boat that was like a casino, a casino and like booze place that they had to federal, they had to deputize the um, Tom's River police so they can actually raid it. Yeah. Um, because the sheriffs were protecting it. Right. There was a, a, a like a party boat. Kind of like a, like a big casino on, on the river, and I think it was up in Point Pleasant, which is not that far from here, and you could gamble and drink alcohol on this on this boat, right? And I guess the federal government wanted to raid it. The Ocean County sheriffs wouldn't do it because they knew that Captain Tom Mathis was involved in this organization, and they were loyal to him. So they had to deputize the federal government had to deputize the Tom's River Police to go in and bust this place up. And you remember, for local people, you guys won't, you local people will know these names. Who was Mr. Mathis's arch enemy in Tom's River? Oh. Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher. They were both Republicans, but they had very different views on how things should be run. And Mr. Fisher 
where do we see his name for local people? Right, Fisher Boulevard, right? Okay, so I think we got, that's, that's pretty interesting. The Mathis House, you guys like that. It is a bed and breakfast. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to add about that. How did it feel when you were in that house thinking that one person once lived in this house? Just like a singular, like... Yeah, once his son was gone and his brother-in-law didn't live there anymore, it was just Mr. Mathis. It was, it was actually... His wife. I, I, we have to look that up because we didn't ask that yesterday. I hope his wife passed away. We have to look that up. Because they said that he was alone and that, like, eventually he, like, he, like, got sick and then, like, died of not natural causes. Right. He got sick and... Took his own life. He took his own life because I, I guess maybe he just didn't didn't want to deal with the, the pain and whatever it was. He was in his 80s. They so also, I guess he just didn't want to deal with it anymore. They also said that there was... Um, that they were gonna have, um, that like stuff was catching up to him, like in terms of like all the stuff, like his political stuff, right? Like, yeah. like I think it was like political pressure and his sickness. Yeah, and he just and that probably that that's probably right. You know, people people deal with things very differently. Now, I don't know in the 1950s when he passed away. I don't know how things were back then, but today, if people have those thoughts about ending their lives, they can go to like counseling, or they can call a phone number, or something like that. I don't know if, they, if that existed, you know, today, even in school, you guys learn about that, right? People yeah. handle things very differently. But, um, so any of our listeners, if, if you, obviously, if you ever had those thoughts, you're not going to act on them. Please reach out for help because in Captain Mathis's time, that really didn't exist. If people are going through, little side note here, right? If people are going through like a mental issue, back then they kept it secret. It was kind of like, they were like ashamed of it. Nowadays, there's much more help that people can get, right? Um, what, when you were in the Mathis house, what do you think it would have been like to live there by yourself? Probably, personally, I would have been, uh, scared. Just like a gigantic house and you're all by yourself. Yeah. Wouldn't there have been servants? Well, that's what I want to find out. Yes. Um, there was a servant's staircase and there was a dumbwaiter. What's a dumbwaiter? Uh, it's like a bell. I think it's like a bell that you ring, like outside the door. Well, you ring the bell and then the dumbwaiter is, 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 is the next step. What's the what's the dumbwaiter itself? It uh, we already looked at it yesterday, but it was locked. You couldn't open it. It, it was like um, uh, it was something you'd bring the food. Take your phone by, out like, of your mouth. Pull, pulling a, a string, I think. You'd like pull the string and they'd go up. I'm not sure. The um, dumbwaiter is a. Um, is a an elevator for specific like trays of food and such. That's right. It could even be for laundry. Like let, let's say the maid wants to send the laundry downstairs. And even go right down right down the dumbwaiter. I think Thomas Jefferson invented the dumbwaiter. I want to say that's another thing. We have three things to look up today. I want to say Thomas Jefferson invented the dumbwaiter. Kind of I know like he's got a, them at Monticello, which is his house in Virginia. Go ahead. It's kind of like an advanced lazy Susan. Like a it's a lazy Susan. You know the thing that you turn around that has like this stuff on it? Yeah, you put it in the middle of a table, right? And you could spin it. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, like, even if, like, there was servants, like, they probably weren't seen because, like, like a, a good servant, like, that isn't supposed to be seen. But oh, you remember that from yesterday? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Remember, that's why they had a separate staircase. And did you notice about the staircase, even here in the Sculthorpe Force House where we're meeting, um, we found out that they did have servants here, or at least one. What do you notice about like the back stairs? I don't know if you guys saw the back stairs in this house. I did. Mr. Soul let me go through there. What do you notice about the servant stairs? They're very what? 
Like They're very narrow, right? Because they wouldn't want to give up house space, but just enough for them to get down. Mm. And the servant's space would have been back in the back of the house. Because like you said, servants were to be seen and not heard. You know, in England, I don't know about here in the United States, but in some houses, depending on how strict the, the owner was, if the, servants would, if the servant was in the room and the master or lady of the house walked into the room, they were supposed to turn and face the wall. Like not even like to like to kind of like blend in with the furniture. That that's how strict it could have been. So yeah, servants. So Mr. Mathis probably had servants. Um, I don't. We don't know if they lived there. But didn't we go to the attic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, uh, they said something about it uh, maybe being like quarters. Like servants' quarters where they would have lived. And I, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. And I think that um, they said something else about how he had like a strict rule of, you know, the servants are there. You just can't hear them or see them. Like, they're apparently only supposed to, like, serve you while they're asleep, and then you get woke up, I think. So mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have needed alarm clocks. They would have somebody wake them up in the morning, right? Um, but remember where Mathis House is, and anybody who's listening, if you know downtown Tom's River, was the Mathis House the only house there, or do you think those other houses were there? I think the other houses were there. They, they were, so maybe his servants didn't live with him. That maybe they, they could have come in the morning and left in the afternoon or something like that. Maybe made dinner and then left afterwards. So we, we don't know. What I'd like to do is, since Mr. Mathis died in the 1950s, there were probably still people alive who remember him, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to ask some local people if they think Mr. Mathis would have had servants, okay? So let's move on to our last topic, which is Cedar Bridge Tavern. We did not go to Cedar Bridge Tavern because it's too far for us to, to drive. Um, we don't have a school bus with us. So, I asked you to research Cedar Bridge Taverns. Anybody want to give an, a basic overview? Um, Go ahead. Like, if Cedar Bridge Tavern is like right by this, like, so Brit, like the last of the like British, like loyal British people, like the loyalists. Yeah, mm-hmm. like him, like kind of like some people, like they like kind of like him the woods a bit, mm-hmm. and um, they would like there was like a lot of bloodshed around that time because people were like would try to go and like kill them, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they like, they try to get rid of the last like loyalists. So there was, there was um, animosity, mm-hmm. like anger and, 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 and uh, resentment even between the patriots and the loyalists, people who wanted to remain with Britain, even after the war ended. Because the Battle of Cedar Bridge Tavern was really fought after the war was over, mm-hmm. was supposed to be over anyway, the Treaty of Paris um, was being was being negotiated over in Paris. And that's why it's called the last battle of the American Revolution, right? It is, because um, like like your dad said, uh, two of the children here, uh, their dad is the, is the, um, is the teacher who, who, who uh, let me come into this program with him. He was talking yesterday and he was saying it was more of a skirmish. Yeah. CJ, what's the difference between a skirmish and a battle? A skirmish in a battle. Uh, skirmish is usually smaller. It's usually fought between a handful of guys between both sides. And it's usually... It's like a skirmish happens before a real big battle. It can, or it could happen even after, right? Or after, because you think about it. Um, Gettysburg, if... They had not brought their full armies to barrack. Would have just been a skirmish mm-hmm. along their routes, and the real battle would have happened somewhere else. But mm-hmm. 
the I believe misinformation upon the uh, the Confederate side brought so General Lee thought it was like one of their full armies so they so they he brought his full army to bear at Gettysburg and then the Union did so itself because it also had the because um, it's all there had their full army so that so if they if they hadn't had their full armies it would have been just a skirmish yes and what do you want to add you want to add to that. I was going to say, um, like, the difference is kind of like uh, a skirmish doesn't even have to be between, two, like, uh, two sides of sh- sh- soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it can just be, like, a group of people uh, fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, more of, like, a shootout, kind of. I think that's a, that, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, like a shootout. And I think your dad was also saying that some people think that I shouldn't say thinks. I, some people wonder if the battle at Cedar Bridge was, since it was a tavern, it could have just been like a bunch of drunk guys shooting at one another. Yeah. Who so were no, on different no sides. No one's hitting each other. Yeah, so it's kind of, like, kind of like that. But the point is, it was loyalists versus, versus patriots, yeah. Yeah. right? So it, it was actually, those political views were behind whatever they were fighting about, right? It was basically just like um, two sides with, like alcohol and guns. And guns, right. Some of them may have been wearing uniforms, right? We don't know. Um, I'm pretty but sure. I think Dr. Shanker said that, it's okay, I think Dr. Shanker said that they were not, um, they might have been militia, but not Continental Army. So it wasn't like the George Washington's army wearing the blue coats like they wore. It would have been maybe, maybe people who were in the New Jersey militia fighting against the Loyalists, right? Did you want to add to that? Yeah, uh, when I went there, I think it was a militia. It was like a group of people who, who like, uh, I don't know if they liked George Washington, but they did. They did. Uh, they were against like loyalists and. Uh, and Why don't you talk a little bit about your? Um, you went there for Boy Scouts. Yeah, we camped there. All right. Why don't you lean into the mic horn a little bit and just tell us a little bit about it? Uh, well, they said that I think the loyalists they came marching in over a bridge. And while all the like the um, drunken or uh, militia was in there, uh, they um, uh, I think they got fired upon while inside of it, and then they kind of like shot from mm-hmm. this. But uh, either way, uh, the inaccuracy of muskets and them being drunk probably led. Uh, that's probably why I'm. Didn't the loyalists win? It's, it's kind of, we're not quite, like, quite yeah. sure as we are on other battles about who really won. Yeah, it's more of just nobody won. It was just a short shootout. But I think the point that we want to make about the Battle of Cedar Bridge Tavern here in Ocean County, New Jersey, around, uh, where Barnegat is, um, if you're looking at, if you want to look at a map, I know when I, when I encourage my listeners when I do a regular episode to always have a map handy so that you know where I'm talking about. So look at Barnegat. You're looking very close to the water. So what do you think a lot of those patriots in Barnegat were? They probably had, probably had ties to what? Something we talked about already. Just like here in Tom's River. Uh, Barnegat blockhouse? Well, you're looking at like a blockhouse. What do you think they were probably doing in that region of New Jersey? Defending it. Defending it because of what actions? The loyalists. Well, what, all right, let's go back to it. Think about the New Jersey Shore. What was going on here during the American Revolution that the British didn't like? Um, we talked about it last salt. week. We salt. Talk, not salt. 
What was going oh, it, on? It was a hotbed for for what? Um, radical ideology. Radical ideology and uh, starts with a P. Patriotism. Patriotism. Something else though. Remember pirates, but they're allowed to be pirates. Privateering. Privateering. So there's probably a lot of like smuggling going on down there. So they were probably continuing that activity even after the war was over when it was not supposed to be done anymore. All right. So. If you're looking at a map, you look at Barnegat, and you'll find the basic area within Ocean County where the Battle of Cedar Bridge, the Cedar Bridge Tavern took place. The tavern is still there, right? You've gone there. Um, I will put a link to their website so you can people can look at it. Were you allowed to go in when you went? Yeah, we went into the museum. In the museum. There was like um, like an original table, I think, and some glass. I, I think they were replicas of. Like the actual glasses um, that would have been in there. So you would have looked at what people would have drank from and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And there is um, uh, like a, a bounty, not a bounty, but like a wanted poster for uh, bacon. Oh yeah, yeah. Ba he was bacon like you eat in the morning no. on a sandwich. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Not Kevin Bacon, the actor. Uh, I was thinking that too. Captain John Bacon. Yeah. And um, I think he was a loyalist. He was. Captain John Bacon was a loyalist. Um, mm -hmm. He was one of the people, I think, who marched in. Uh, he marched in with um, his troop of the other loyalists. And he went to, and he opened fire on the tavern, um, with, uh, on the militia inside. Yeah, militia inside the tavern. All right, so you guys know a pretty good amount about this. And for people who are listening, if you are on my YouTube channel, I will put videos, as I always do, and I'll put a, a link to the videos for the children's podcast, the one from last week and from this week. Last week was Jersey Devil. What did we do last week? Jersey Devil, um, Civil, Civil War in Ocean County. And the Elizabeth Sculptor Force House. House. And then today I'll put videos on Tom's River Soldiers, Mathis House, Cedar Bridge Tavern. Now, before we end this, does anybody want to add anything? I think there was something that Mike, who couldn't be here today, didn't Mike want us to talk about something? Um, Ellis Island. Oh yeah. We're not yeah, going to really talk about, about the um, like the disputes between like the um, uh, New York and New Jersey over the Hudson Bay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to talk about it, but I, I did promise Mike that we'd bring it up, um, and I, I'm writing it down because I'm going to have it as a separate podcast episode, not the students, but my regular podcast. Um, people who are listening, you know the Statue of Liberty, you know uh, Ellis Island, kids here, you know the same thing. There's, there is a disagreement, or there has been disagreement, whether or not the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island are in New Jersey or New York. So there, there, is a, there has been a dispute about that over the years. So we're going to talk about that. So Mike, we brought that up because we know that we promised you that we would bring that up. So if anybody finds that interesting, listen to some future episodes and I'll be talking about that Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty and their status whether they're in New Jersey or New York. Um, anything else before we move on? No. Kids? Nope. Children of the corn. Corn. Uh, I think we're good. I believe my great 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 grandfather fought in the Civil War for Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut would have been a Union state at that time. Um, CJ, tell the other kids just as a wrap up, um, 
what we know about New Jersey and the Civil War, even though we were a Union state. Um, so New Jersey and the Civil War, we actually did not vote for Abraham Lincoln. We voted for Stephen Douglas, I believe. Lincoln did get some electoral votes. I think he got four, and Douglas got the rest. And then in the 1864 election, he got no votes. Lincoln lost New Jersey. So for a northern state, not everybody was necessarily pro-Lincoln. But in Ocean County, where we are located now, is has been and always and has been a historically Republican state uh, uh, county. County in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. In New Jersey, uh, because we have voted for, I believe, all but like three um, elections where we have voted red. Right, red meaning Republican, right? Yeah. And I will say this, I'm certainly not getting political, but since Ocean County, where we live, is, um, is a Republican county, the people whom we elect to our government are, tend to be Republicans. Whether they win all of New Jersey doesn't matter. In Ocean County, we tend to vote for Republicans. The reason I'm bringing that up is because our local uh, people, our, our county representatives, who also tend to be Republican, they are very um, influential in keeping places like the Historical Society up and running. Like, like they, they're, they're, they really help out a lot. So I think, I think that's important to, to point that out. And I think that would be regardless of political party. But in Ocean County, we tend to be Republican, and that group has been very, very generous when it comes to keeping these programs open. So I just wanted to, to kind of tie that into, into that. Anybody want to add anything? And um, in New Jersey during the Civil War, we were offered, for every married man, you could get $300 for joining the Union Army. And for every unmarried man, you'll get $200 for uh, joining the Union Army. Union Army, which was a lot of money back then. It sure was. A lot of things did not cost as much now. No, and, and, and I don't know if you guys know this, but we'll end it after this. Um, you could also hire a substitute to go and fight for you. which and you which was paid? Well, no, you would pay the substitute. Oh. Like you, you, you would pay them to go fight for you. So let's say I got drafted, I could pay you to go fight for me. That created a lot of animosity, hatred, between the poor and the rich. Because the poor people assumed that the rich people would buy their way out of the draft and they would attack rich people's homes, especially in places like New York. But I'll talk about that in a different podcast episode. If you listen to my regular history podcast for my students, I'll tell you guys, the new people this week, what that is. I talk about the New York City draft riots, which, which were based on that. Wait, so wait, why would they attack the... Because the rich people would have the money to buy their way out of the draft. Like, so let's say I'm rich and I get drafted to go and fight. You know what drafted means, right? Mm -hmm. I get drafted to go and fight. I can pay CJ to go and fight for me. But if a poor person gets drafted and can't afford a substitute, they have to go and fight. So that's why they got angry. <clears throat> what, what the poor people didn't know because of ignorance was that a lot of the rich people who could afford to pay their way out of the draft were still going to fight. But they assumed that they weren't. So we'll, we'll get into that. We can talk about that after. I don't want to keep the people who are listening too much, too much longer. So if you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. New Jersey History Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow my YouTube channel, which is the New Jersey History Podcast. My TikTok channel, I don't know if they call it a channel, is 
Mr. KB History NJ. And as always, if you have any suggestions, please feel free to email me so I can put all your suggestions in my little file and then I can get to them throughout this podcast series.